You're listening to the Julie Pendleton Interviews. I've got Major Eric Ingram, who's retired now, but he's a very, very busy man. And we're going to find out all about his life, what he's done. And um, I'll just let you say, I'll just let you say hello, Eric. Hello, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine. Just lovely to have you here. So that last song means an awful lot to you, doesn't it? Oh, a huge amount. It's it's a song that stuck with us since the early 70s when it was a number one hit. Uh Um, And the pipe major at the time, Tony Kreese, is a a very good friend. In fact, I I saw him a couple of weeks ago and uh, we're sort of contemporaries. And we've so many memories. We went to Bosnia together and and did all sorts of things. So it it always reminds me of the good times. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I've heard it sung or played loads of times as well in the concerts that we've done together. So um, you're not from round here originally, are you, Eric? No, I'm from Ochnagat. Where's that? (laughs) It's in North Aberdeenshire, up near near Fraserburgh. And is that where you were born? That's where I was born, yeah. And did you live there all your life until you joined the army? we, I, I was born there. I was, I was born on a farm called Cat Creek Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a house in the middle of a field, and our nearest neighbours were about three fields away. So were you a big family? Uh, we're a family of, of six, three brothers, three sisters. Um, and were you expected to go on the farm? Not really, no, because my, my father only worked on the farm. He was the, the cattleman, so he was feed, as they call it. Um, so we, we, he just worked on, on the farm. Uh-huh. Um, so when I left school, I, I worked as a butcher initially and then drove a grocer's van and then I joined the army. What made you join the army? I followed my two brothers. My oldest brother joined the Marines. Uh, my other brother joined the Royal Engineers. And I thought I would go one better and join the cavalry. So I joined the Scots Greys. See. Who later became the Royal Scots to Guards. Uh huh. Yes. And how old were you when you went in there? I was eighteen. Eighteen. And how old were you when you when you left the army? When I left the army, I was sixty-two. So forty-four years, I think it was. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, I was just getting the hang of it. <laughs> so, do many people stay in the army that long? No, not many. Um, I mean, I joined as a as a trooper or a private soldier and was fortunate enough to go through the ranks and then get commissioned. Mm-hmm. Normally you, you left at 40, it was a sort of 22-year career, but mm-hmm. if you got commissioned, you could go on to 55 at that time. Uh-huh. Um, I, I left at 50 because it, it suited me to leave then. Yeah. And then I went, of course, I then went to work with the Reserve Forces, so I did another 10 years full-time with with the what is now called the Army Reserves, uh-huh. where the Territorial Army. All oh, right. What were you up to in 1967, Eric? I was stationed in Fallingbostel in northern Germany, sort of halfway between Hamburg and Hanover. And I was out for a drink one night with a couple of mates at a pub called the Bandstuber in the main street in Fallingbostel. And a young lady was on holiday at the time with a couple of her friends, and her name was Alice Bailey from Shieldfield. And uh, we sort of hit it off and later married, and we've been married now for 49 years. So that song reminds you of that and takes you right back? Indeed, uh, I mean, the Beatles were all the rage at the time, weren't uh-huh. they? Some great songs, yeah. and uh, love is all you need, it says it all, doesn't it? Yeah, and Alice is a very special lady, and you've had a long and varied career, and she's been your main support, hasn't she? Uh, absolutely, but, yeah. Do you think that army wives don't get the recognition that they deserve and how much they actually do and put up with and uh, yeah I mean I've, I've often said that when we come back from operations it's the wives that should get the medals not the men because it's a very very stressful time for them they've got all the worry haven't they, they? they've got all the worry you know in in the Gulf War, we were out in the middle of the desert. Um, we didn't really know what was going on half the time because we had no television, no radio. The papers we got were about three or four days old. I mean, I say we didn't know what was going on. We did because we, we got daily intelligence, intelligence briefs. Yes. But it wasn't in your face all the time. No. For the families left behind, they were watching television. And uh-huh. I imagine that every time they saw you know, a big explosion or a, or a bit of a battle going on, they imagined that we were in the thick of it when we might have been 50, 60 miles away from it. Um, war's not like that. It's, it's sort of classed as 95% boredom mm-hmm. and 5% pandemonium. And that, mm-hmm. that sums it up, I think, pretty well. But not just the worry. They've got to deal with all the day-to-day things that... You know, they'll maybe share with a husband, but they've just got to be husband and mom. 
exactly. They've got to look after the kids. They've got to, you know, do everything. And um, yeah. when I went to the Gulf, Alice run the regimental kindergarten, so she had all the the, the family's kids. And some of them, at the time when, when dads are away, could be a little bit disruptive because it was a very uncertain time for them. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not just the wives. It, I think soldiers, but when you look back on it, you're probably quite selfish because you, you think on yourself when you're away in operations more mm-hmm. perhaps than... than uh, than you should, and, and not a great deal on your family. You've, you've, you've got, got to concentrate you've got on to the shut job, it out. Though, you've, you've, you? got to, you've got to at times shut the family side out. Yeah, otherwise but, you couldn't just do yeah, it. Yeah, but when the kids are ill or you know the, there's problems, they've they've got to deal with it. And Alice mm-hmm. has been fantastic over yeah. all these years. Yeah. Um, so you touched on the Gulf there. You told me that there's a very special song um, called "Handled with Care" that meant a lot to you when you were in the Gulf. Can you explain why? A huge amount, because my daughter Jane gave me a tape and it, in those days you didn't have CDs, it was, it was a little boogie box as we had with the, the cassettes, uh, of the Travelling Wilburys, uh, Volume 1 and later she sent Volume 3. Uh, but the, the reason I love this, it's, it's the only tape I had for the, the five or six months I was out there and I played it constantly. Ah. But every... When we were doing the, the training phase and the build-up to the actual war itself, we would leaguer up, um, and every subunit had to be sort of at least a kilometre apart. Mm-hmm. And at night, we always had to go to regimental headquarters for an O group, which is an orders group where you got your orders mm-hmm. and update on what was going on and your orders for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to walk there every, every night and walk back again. And in the, I don't know if you can imagine the desert, but if you were to put the lights out in this room, it would be absolutely pitch black. And the desert's like that because there's no artificial light anywhere apart from the stars. Mm-hmm. And I used to put the boogie box on and listen to this music walking across the desert, and it just brings back, you know, yeah. memories. Now, I'd never heard of the Travelling Wilburys, but they were a super group. Oh, absolutely fantastic. Sadly, three of them have died. Tom yeah. Pettis died, George Harrison's died, and uh, Roy Orbison's died. They, they were an amazing group because they just came together, wrote the songs, and then produced it. If you haven't heard the Travelling Wilburys, you've really got to get their their discs and listen to them. They're fantastic. Well, we're going to listen to them now. Yeah. Well, thank you for that and introducing me to them because I had never heard of them. So the Gulf War lasted from 1990 to 1991, didn't it, the first Gulf War? Yeah, we went out in in 1990, spent a lot of time training. Um, We trained quite a lot with the Americans, which was a a great experience for us because the British Army, in comparison, is is very, very small. And we would, for example, putting... uh, a mine plough through a minefield you would clear one lane which would allow a line of tanks to go through and and that would be it if a tank got knocked out it had to be dragged out and then you would carry on again but with the Americans it was just absolutely incredible because they just put literally lanes as far as you could see and, and we, when we went across the border from Kuwait into Iraq as far as you could see either side there was just columns and columns of, of vehicles moving it was a a very um, comforting sight to see because you knew that you know there were so many people round about you. Mm-hmm. But the the scale of the Gulf War, right from the start when we landed at Dakaran Airport, the amount of military planes there was just out of this world. I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. And when the war, the air war started first, and we would see the the planes flying over and then refueling above us, and then they would go back in again mm-hmm. at night. Especially at night, you could hear the sort of the bombs dropping, which um, t- to me it it wasn't a pleasant thing because you knew there was somebody at the other end of that that bomb going off, and somebody was you know mm-hmm. lives were going to be changed, wives were going to lose husbands, children were going to lose dads, and that's you know, people don't think of that all the time. But it, it is a horrible, horrible mm-hmm. thing to yeah. go into war, mm-hmm. uh, and I wish we never had to do it, but but sadly we do. Mm-hmm. But after the air war, um, the ground offensive, uh, slightly you know chaotic because orders kept changing depending where the enemy were, where we had to go, what we had to do, mm-hmm. um, and because we were a tank regiment, we were sort of in, in the front of you like all the time. Uh, so further back, things were a bit more settled because they could adjust and adapt and, and move. But, but we were sort of all over the place. So from one minute to the next, you never, although we had a plan and. and Mm-hmm. initial plan mm-hmm. but plans only pass the first contact after mm-hmm. you've made contact then 
you've got to be very, very flexible mm -hmm. and ready to adapt. Mm -hmm. But we had a fantastic regiment, a, a, a really good seven armoured brigade, fantastic brigade. Mm -hmm. and uh, Very proud of them. Oh, I'm hugely proud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I'm going to play a song um, which means quite a bit to both of us. It's from the Military Wives Choir. Now, mm -hmm. we are talking earlier about um, the, the loneliness of being the military wife. And these choirs were set up. Where was the first one set up? first one was at Catrick. Catrick. Ca Catrick was the start of the Military Wives Choir. And then Gareth Malone came on the scene and, of course, made them very famous. Uh -huh. the, the choir that he had, I think, was made up uh, with singers from several of the choirs. Yes. But they, they quickly grew and grew and grew and there was there's choirs all over the place now but we actually had the Catrick we did ladies, indeed we did didn't indeed we? yeah at, at um, the stage yes. and John Rowland my singing partner sang with them with didn't him, he absolutely and yeah. he sang the um, I think it was Wherever You Are didn't yes. he sing that bit in there well we're going to listen to that song now well that brings back memories doesn't it Eric certainly does happy uh, memories and sad ones as well oh yes yes I remember going down to Catrick to rehearse I went with John and uh, John's considerably younger than me and I heard the waves in the back row say, is she married to him? And I went, no, I don't think so. I thought, hey, poor lad, he's so much younger than me. But, um, yeah, so you were just telling me in the break about that all your brothers were had long distinguished careers in the military. Yeah, we all, all three of it, which, which, I mean, my father was a, was a cowman on a farm and, and we were brought up no different to other people at the time. But like I say, he was he was feed. So we, we had a, a farm cottage, but part of his wages was the cottage. We got so many bags of oatmeal, so many sacks of potatoes and, and wood for the fire. That that was part of the wages. So there was very little money. So um, we we came from that sort of background. We're called Tuchters, by the way, in, in, in Aberdeenshire. That that was the name for us, Tuchters. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we all joined as private soldiers. We all ended up getting commissions. All three of us ended up getting the MBE. Did my, you really? my oldest, yeah, my oldest brother got the lifeboat silver medal. He was with the life, our brother's lifeboat and ended up as president of the lifeboat before he died. Um, and I ended, I got the, the Duke of Kent medal and then ended up becoming a DL. So I suppose for three tutors, we've not done too badly. No. And you served with the Duke of Kent as well, I didn't did. you? Yeah, he was the one of the first people I met when I joined the Greys because he was adjutant. Um, he then became a squadron leader and I served in his squadron for two years and we went to Northern Ireland and Cyprus with him. We exercised in Balmoral Estate, uh, which he arranged with Auntie Betty, as we fondly called the Queen. Oh, that's Auntie Betty. That's Auntie yes, Betty, that's yes. who Auntie Betty uh -huh. is, yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so we exercised up in Balmoral and, and had a fantastic time. Uh-huh, yeah. But you also trained all over the world, didn't you? You did a lot of training um, in the Arctic, was it? Or? Uh, not, not in the Arctic, no, although no. some of the places seems like the Arctic. I, I I like adventure, I like doing things, and I like doing different things. You so, are action man. <laughs> so one of, the, one of the first things I did when I joined the Greys was I went on a winter warfare course in the Harz Mountains in Germany. It's, oh. the, it's the coldest I've ever been, and coming from Aberdeenshire, I think, you know, that, that says something, mm -hmm. because it was minus 14 there last night. Do you think uh, your upbringing served you well though um, you know you obviously probably well fed living on a farm oh definitely and yeah, used to yeah. a pretty hard life mm. so when you went into the army you were quite equipped to I, deal I, with I, it yes I suppose I had no problem adapting to it no yeah. no and a team player as well yeah that's important, yeah definitely of course it is yeah. Yeah. so where else did you do training didn't you train with somebody very famous uh, with Sir Ronald Fiennes, yeah, the, the world's greatest explorer. He uh -huh. was uh, served in our regiment. He was a, a troop leader. And uh, I went on a, one of his probably training exercises before he became an explorer, if you like. We, we canoed uh, down the Rhine from Lake Constantine for about 500 kilometres. Mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't swim at the time, and neither could a few others. And his way of teaching people to swim was to tie a rope around your chest and throw you in the rain but <laughs> it didn't work but I did learn to swim mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah he was an extraordinary guy to, to, to have anything to do with he just the boundless energy and determination uh -huh. and some of our soldiers went on the Headless Valley expedition with him uh, in Canada so 
well, he went on, the Guinness Book of Record rates him the world's greatest explorer now. Mm -hmm. I still see him now and again um, at reunions and so on. Do you? Yeah. yeah. You went to Belize as well, didn't you? Belize was um, one of the best postings I had. I went, I went there for seven months. Uh -huh. Is that uh, tropical? Oh, yes. Yeah, very, oh. very, very humid. Jungle so, so, warfare. Yeah, jungle warfare. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Belize, I absolutely love Belize because it was out in the jungle, away from everything, just doing, you know, back living with nature, really. Uh-huh, yeah, it'd be a bit like, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, you'd be all right on that, I, wouldn't I you? I wouldn't actually call that the, the jungle, believe you, you me, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's a hotel just around the corner, there's, <laughs> there's doctors on hand, there's everything. When you're out in the jungle and Belize, you're on your own. Uh-huh. And it's, but it's a fascinating place, and it, especially at night, uh -huh. because the jungle at night comes alive, and it's just a... All these different noises and sounds, all the different animals. It's, it's fantastic. And how long I were you there? I absolutely loved it. I was there for seven months. Seven months? Yeah. And you had a little trip to Mexico, didn't you? We, we did, yep. Uh -huh. uh, up to Mexico, yeah. Uh, the first week I was in Belize, we actually had a hurricane, Hurricane Greta, uh -huh. uh, which just about ruined the camp, uh -huh. as it was. But the good thing is it kept me in postage stamps because we had a naffy block and that blew down and uh, all the stuff was blown all over the place. So when we cleaned up afterwards, uh -huh. I found a big stack of postage stamps, which was, <laughs> which was quite handy. Um, yeah. But you but went yes, over to Mexico, didn't you, for did a little up, trip? Went up to Mexico, yeah. Uh -huh. And what year was that then, 1970? That was 69. Oh, no, no, I think it was... Oh, sorry. 76, was uh, it? No, no, it was um, 79. I beg your pardon, I went to Belize. 79. Oh, I, might, okay. I might have got the year wrong. Oh, 1979, yeah. yes. Yeah. And uh, the year before, Greece, the musical was released, wasn't it? It, it? was. Uh, and in Mexico, all it was all the rage at the time. Uh -huh. you know, all the Travolta. cinemas had El Vaselino. El Vaselino, that's how them. the Spanish for Greece translates. Yes, yeah. I think we're going to play John Travolta, Olivia Newton-John, You're the One That I Want. Well, I've got a little tale to tell about that um, Greece. I had a holiday in Rimini that year and the John F. Kennedy aircraft carrier came into Rimini and one of the lads had the suit that John Travolta wore, white suit, buttoned, unbuttoned shirt right down to the navel and the big medallion and we were all like, you know, young girls and everything and he just took the floor, everyone went round the edge and he did the dance. It was amazing. So, um, yes, it's a great film and it's lasted the test of time, hasn't it? So you're going to tell me a little bit more about being an action man, Eric. Um, you sort of have done a lot of things like jumping out of airplanes. Yep. And uh, that leads on to other things in the charity work uh -huh. where you've actually done a wing walk where you stood on top of an aeroplane but obviously your training to do parachuting must have helped in something like that so where did you do your training for parachuting um again it was shortly after i I'd, I'd joined the army and quite close to the camp was a, a place called bad lipspringer where they had a big um grass field and they did parachuting so i managed to get onto a, a free fall parachute course and that ended up doing 22 jumps and all but the the plane that we jumped out was out of was a de Havilland Rapide uh -huh. and I, I don't know if you it, it's sort of one of the first passenger planes I, I think uh, a biplane uh -huh. it had no seats and no door yes and you would, would take off but before you jumped out uh, the pilot would feather the engines you then had to climb out onto the wing what is feather the engines it mean? just means you Cut the power down so that the, the propellers are still turning, but they're, they're not driving the aircraft. So oh, it's, right, so it's like, it's like it's gliding a along. Type yeah, thing. it's yeah. to slow it down so that you know when you climb out in the wing, you're not going to get blown off that okay. sort of thing. Um, and then you had to jump off backwards. Uh, so great, great fun. Um, and I did, a, as I say, 22 parachute jumps in the, in the end. Yeah. And were you not bothered by the time you got to 22? No, no, it they, just didn't affect you. I at think all. the the worst jump was the second one because the first one you didn't really know what was happening uh -huh. um, you had to jump off backwards and you, you had a reserve chute as well and you had mm -hmm. to jump off back backwards and go 1,000 teeth 2,000 yes you do every time Make so sure you can't blame anybody exactly because <laughs> yeah. your life's yeah. in the hands Absolutely. of that parachute yeah, isn't yeah. it I mean they're, they're all checked thoroughly obviously while you're, while you're packing them uh -huh. yeah. so when you jumped out the aeroplane 
you um, had a song that meant a lot to you, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was like when we jumped out, it was going up. We always all going it, up. It, it, the stones were all the rage at the time as well, and we all used to sit on the floor singing. This could be the last time, um, which was great fun. Uh-huh. Yes, I'm yep. going to play it now. Okay. Um, Eric, you were just telling me what was happening in the aeroplane when you used to sing that song before you jumped out. Yeah, as I said, we, we, we sat on the floor. There was no door on the plane. Um, and we just used to link... We sat three abreast and we just used to link arms and sing the song and sway from side to side, which the pilot used to tell us now and again to stop doing. Because, <laughs> because it was making the plane go over the aircraft yeah. move. So you were um, never frightened? It was all just fun to you, all of this, wasn't um, it? Yeah, I mean... It, Mostly. You have a bit of nerves, but uh, you know yeah. the, the adrenaline rush. Uh, I, I suppose they call them a, a, adrenaline junkies, don't they? And I suppose yeah. you need a little bit. bit I of think that. I'm yeah. one as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get bored, yeah. and unless I'm doing something exciting, mm. um, I, I get, I'm happy when I'm doing something exciting and something new and and taking risks. I Exa- suppose, exactly. really, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So mm. you can do it in mm. everyday life. So when you came out of the army, what did you? Do what did you think you were going to do with your life after that? Well, at the time I was chairman of the Army Benevolent Fund for the Northeast, so I, I was quite involved in that. I was a trustee for the military, uh, what was the military vehicle museum and exhibition park, which became a sort of a, a more general military museum for a while before sadly it had to close due to the to the structure of the building, mm-hmm. and I was involved in helping some other charities raise funds and so on. Um, so it, it sort of carried on, but the military connections I had made came in very useful, yes. you know, especially when it comes to uh, getting the use of military bands and that sort of thing. Yes. So it, it was quite useful. Um, and we've me, done a lot of last night of the proms type concerts. Absolutely. And I have to say, yeah. the military band, they look fantastic, they sound fantastic, and no one compares to them, really. No. Um, the great attraction with military bands and pipe bands as well, mm. uh, the uniform is, you know, it's not just the music; it's the uniform. It looks fabulous. It's it's the it's the way they conduct themselves mm. and that sort of thing. So they, they look the part, they look good, mm. and that I think helps get people in the mood straight away. It does. And with your regiment, you have um, a lunch with the Queen every four years. Is that right? I've actually had quite a few lunch. I had lunch with the Queen in July this year. Oh, did up you? At, up at Luchers, yeah. Um, we had the Queen, the Duke of Kent was there, and Prince Pavlis, who I served with, who Prince Pavlis of Greece was there. Uh, we had lunch in the officers' mess after a Gidon parade, um, and then at night the Duke of Kent and Pavlis stayed on, and we had dinner in the mess again, so it was yeah. quite quite a good drill weekend. So you, you know the Duke of Kent quite well, obviously, then? Yes, um, we have a chat when we bump into each other uh-huh, yeah. and does the queen know who you are as well um i know the queen meets that for so many people she she yeah. can't possibly remember yeah but she's our colonel in chief so she mm. visited the regiment quite mm. a few times yes uh, the duke of kent's our deputy colonel in chief so we see quite a lot of him as well mm-hmm. um, at regimental functions uh-huh. and every year the queen comes to dinner with the officers of the regiment mm-hmm. and normally in St James's Palace in London which is which is quite a unique event and there's only about 80 or 90 of us there so it's it's quite a you know a cosy situation yeah and when you find yourself as I have a couple of times sat in the next table to the Queen it's it's quite a, a huge honour and, and a privilege Jeez, isn't it? but she's she's very friendly very relaxed I think in these private get-togethers when there's no cameras Yes. You know, you don't have to be on your guard and so on. She's got a good sense of humour. Yes, yeah, she has. Yeah. Have you seen her laugh? <laughs> uh, yes, I have. Yeah. Have you? Uh, yeah, yeah. You haven't made her laugh, though, have no, you? No, no, no. <laughs> um, no, you, when the Queen speaks to you, you answer. You don't sort of uh-huh. ask the questions. But I'm sure when uh, comedians and people like that go up to be knighted, they'll make her laugh. Oh, of course they, they do. Yeah, because yeah. it's I mean, you can job. just imagine, like, some Billy Connolly and people like that. Uh-huh, yeah. Although he, I think he said that he couldn't remember it. He, he just garbled a lot of rubbish when he... Well, this yeah. is, I think that's what mm-hmm. most of us do, <laughs> which is gobble a load of rubbish. Um, I'm going to play Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen next because uh, this is one of my favourite songs. And Eric, you're a Deputy Lord Lieutenant, aren't you? Deputy Lieutenant. 
Oh, right. <laughs> I, I want to keep calling you Lord Lieutenant. No, it's okay. And there is one Lord Lieutenant in Tyne and Weir, one in Durham, one in Northumberland, is that right? That's correct, yes. And they are the Queen's representatives. They are. Every, every county in the country has um, a Lord Lieutenant, which, as you quite rightly say, they represent the Queen and keep in touch with the palace and that sort of thing and host royal visits when they, when they come to the area. That's another one of the roles. Um, Every Lord Lieutenant has some deputy lieutenants, and, and I'm one of the deputies. Mm -hmm. uh, so when uh, our current Lord Lieutenant is Mrs. Susan Winfield, mm -hmm. uh, when she's not available or, or can't do an engagement, she will ask a deputy to, to do it for her. So you mm -hmm. do, you're still representing the Queen. You're doing exactly the same thing. Yes. And it, it is a huge, huge honour to be a deputy lieutenant, especially, I might say, for somebody from my background. Mm. I wouldn't say that, but but how do you become a Lord Lieutenant? What are the qualifications? Can well, you've, anyone be you've sort of got to be known and uh, have contributed to the, the local community. Or I'm, the I'm quite well known in Gateshead. Yeah, you, <laughs> Would that <you've> qualify? <laughs> well, that's up to the Lord Lieutenant because <laughs> the, the Lord Lieutenant has to, has to make... Well, the Queen has the final decision, but the Lord Lieutenant has to decide if she wants you to be um, a deputy lieutenant uh -huh. and if she does she would then put your name forward to the cabinet office it goes before the queen who and she'd say oh there's that julie pendleton, pendleton yeah. yes she'll do <laughs> <laughs> she's got the common touch <laughs> so can anyone be yes i mean it's, it's entirely up to the lord lieutenant to, to pick people he thinks can be of influence and, and can help him to or her to fulfil their duties. That's that's yeah. basically it. Uh -huh. yeah. So that's quite a a role for you to take on, isn't it? It must be it must keep you busy. Yeah, I mean, I I have to say I, I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy doing it because it it is mm -hmm. such a huge honour. Um, and being ex-military, there is a there's a sort of uniformed section and a non-uniformed section. So I mm -hmm. tend to get the uniform jobs, the sort of ceremonial type jobs, mm -hmm. and um, citizenship ceremonies, that yes. sort of thing. Tell us about the citizenship ceremonies. Well, what happens there and where do you go? Well, we have five boroughs in Tyne and Weir. Each have their own citizenship ceremonies. Mm -hmm. And becoming a citizen takes time. It takes a few years. It's not just, you don't just fill in a, a form and that's it. There's a process to go through and it it's not cheap either. I think it costs between three and five thousand pound to get all the documentation done and get all you know meet all all requirements. And until then, you haven't got a British passport. No, no. Um, but you then apply for when you apply for citizenship and you've mm -hmm. done all the the checks and that sort of thing and everything. We've got all the ticks in the boxes. Your the council in the area where you live or you reside will hold a citizenship ceremony mm -hmm. and I did one last week in the Civic Centre in Newcastle mm -hmm. and that was for 47 new citizens. Yeah I've been to them, I've seen them yeah, before. Uh, yeah. Which is yeah. a sort of that was just one that day. Normally they have one in the morning and one in the afternoon so January is probably a quieter month mm -hmm. but I've uh, also uh, been to citizenship ceremonies in Gateshead, North Tyneside mm -hmm. uh, Sunderland so we we go all over wherever we're required. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's um, a lovely ceremony, and, and a lot of people come in a national dress and things, oh, don't they? That's the, that's really good to see. I love it when yeah. they, and especially yeah. when the kids are in it because uh -huh. it's so good. Yeah. yeah, and they're really you know happy, joyous occasions. They are. They're very yeah. very happy yeah. to become a British Absolutely. citizen, yeah. aren't they? Yeah. And like you say, it costs quite a lot of money, doesn't it? It, it does. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what else do you do to keep yourself occupied? I mean, I know this weekend it's your birthday, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <I've laughs> you have forgotten, yeah. didn't you? <laughs> yeah, you, you, yes. I've still got that uh, in my memory, the one at Sedgefield Racecourse, yes. when you very kindly sang. Uh, yes, it is my birthday on Sunday, yeah, but I'm just kind of a quiet... How many years ago day. was that? Sedgefield? Yeah. No, that was my 65th, so it'll be seven years ago now. Seven, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you, when you were 70... Instead of having a gift, you got your family to put you on a biplane and stand on there while the plane, yes. the plane yeah. flew around. Yeah, a wing walk. Yeah, a wing uh, walk. Uh -huh. It was great. Yeah. And you raised a lot of money for the soldiers' charity by doing that, didn't you? Yeah, I raised a few thousand for the for the ABF, the soldiers' charity. Uh -huh. And this year is the 75th anniversary of the ABF, the soldiers' charity. So is I'm it? hoping to do another wing walk to, to mark that. What for your birthday? No, no, for the for the... 
75th anniversary oh. of the ABF. All oh, right, I thought so you were going to tie it in with your birthday celebrations again. No, 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 I'll probably again, do it about June, July time. Oh, so we can all sponsor you? Yeah, of course. All yeah. the listeners yeah, can sponsor Eric for yeah. this wonderful charity that he's vice chairman of. But you were chairman of it for I was like chairman eight. for eight years, yeah. Yes, and then you, you took a little bit of a backseat. But then you are chairman for mm. other charities as well, aren't Indeed, you? Yeah. yeah. So um, what was the best thing about doing the wing walk? I just the, the sheer thrill of it. Uh-huh. It was great. It Did they strap you on? Is it like a framework? There's a sort of a stake that goes up from the aircraft, and uh-huh. you're, you're kind of tied onto that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then the, the plane takes off. The, yeah. And, and there's then, all sorts of things. And, and do you not think you're going to fall off? Um, no. The, I think the, the, the funniest part to me was, was the safety brief. The funniest part? Yeah, because <laughs> at, the, at the safety brief. They said if, if the plane has to come down in a rough field or something, the chances are it's going to nose dive and fall over. And guess what? You're <laughs> top, so... Yeah, you're <laughs> going to be flying. You're going to get it. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> so, well, I when, I, when I hear this next song, I always think of you. Right on. Well, that song really took me back to it, I tell you. We saw the video on YouTube, didn't we, of you, you doing did. it? Yep. It was fantastic. So what else do you do? You, you're a very, very uh, giving person. You give blood as well, don't you? Uh, not now, but uh, well, I, the reason I gave up being chairman of the ABF, the Soldiers Charity, is because I got prostate cancer. Uh-huh. But it's, it's a message that, for people out there that prostate cancer is a big killer. Mm-hmm. And giving blood actually saved my life. And the reason I say that is because I would never have went to the doctor. Uh, I didn't really think there was anything wrong with me. But when you give blood, they screen the blood. And it was through my blood being screened that uh, I found out that I had cancer. And found out early. Um, and that was six years ago, and I'm fine. I've never really had any problems um, mm-hmm. since I had it removed. Mm-hmm. But... The message here is a good friend of mine who I served with called Terry McMahon. Terry got diagnosed with prostate cancer at the same time as I did. Mm-hmm. But he hadn't given blood and his got diagnosed too late and sadly he died three years later. So mm-hmm. it's, giving blood doesn't save just save other people's lives. It can actually save your yeah. life. And I think that's, you know, something that people don't recognise. Mm-hmm. Not just cancer; they can pick up all sorts of things. So I would strongly recommend anybody to, if if they're able to, to give blood. And you can do it up into your seventies. Now this, mm-hmm. the age limit's gone. Right. Mm. I remember when you were poorly. Uh, we were putting the concert on at Durham Cathedral at the time. And you weren't well at all, but you still <laughs> battled on and did it. And that was the year that John sang Anthem. Yep. And we had a male voice choir um, and singing the Oz in the background. And that was fantastic. And this year is the 10th anniversary of you having a remembrance concert at Durham Cathedral, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, just the setting of Durham Cathedral, it's a magnificent building. And I've yes. still got to pinch myself to think how lucky oh. I am to be able just to be involved with this and have so many wonderful people round about helping yeah. to put it on and people like yourself to, you know, to take part. Um, it started by accident because one of the things I started doing after I took over as chairman of the ABF was to hold the odd concert just to try and see if it, if it, if it was good for raising funds and it turned out to be, to be quite good and that's how we ended up going into the Sage and doing lots of concerts in the Sage mm-hmm. and all over the, the North East in Middlesbrough mm-hmm. Durham. Because we met in 2008. Yeah. We did, by yeah, at, the Gala, at the Gala Theatre. And you rang me yeah. up and you said, um, would you like to sing at the Sage? And I said, I'm from Gateshead, of course <laughs> I want to sing at the Sage. <laughs> and then um, John and I sang and then it just went from there and we did Last Night of the Proms and all sorts of different things, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Yes, yeah. but going back to the Remembrance, it's the special anniversary uh, this year, but last year it was a hundred years of the end of World War it was One. Ab- it was absolutely, yeah, wasn't it? I it was, was there. absolutely yeah. fantastic last year, um, and one of the the guests we had was Lady Jane or Countess Jane Haig, mm-hmm. who was the great granddaughter-in-law of Field Marshal Earl Haig, who mm-hmm. the founder of the British Legion, and of course the the, the man that everybody remembers mm-hmm. from. Dub- World War One, and you're president of the British Legion I'm in the, the Northern Region. I'm the county president for Northumbria. Yes, yes yeah, uh-huh. which which covers Northumbria, Town and Weir, Durham, yeah. and Cleveland. So That's it's, a it's huge quite a big patch, isn't it? Oh, huge, a, huge, a charity absolutely that big. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So, how many poppy petals fell 
when we had the last pool. Last year, last we, year. We, from the tower, we dropped 200,000 poppy petals. And the, the reason was, from mm. the north of England, there was approximately 200,000 people killed during World War One, mm. which is a horrendous figure. Mm. Um, it went on forever, didn't it? It did. It did. It, but very moving. Um, and at the end... On the way out, we gave people a, a poppy petal to take away. So, mm, you, mm. you know, just dig, put it in your wallet, dig it out now and again, and, or, or you'll look think at it now and again, it. and just think about all those people. Without them, we uh-huh. would not be living the mm. lifestyle we live today. And again, I think it's one of the things that maybe people forget. But w- one of the things I'd like to, s- just if I could say about Down yeah. Cathedral is... Um, Th- that started because I wanted just to hold a concert in Durham Cathedral and it was Durham Cathedral that said could we not hold a festival of remembrance and yeah. I was staggered because there had never ever been a festival of remembrance in yeah. Durham Cathedral yeah. so it was sort of we did it as a one off uh, but from then it's just sort of it's grown and grown and it now rivals the Albert Hall I would say um, and sometimes when I go home after we've been in it or if we've been to see it if I haven't been singing in it and I watch the one at the Albert Hall and I think ours was better than that <laughs> and uh, we had a dignitary there who said she'd never been to a concert like it right. can you remember well, that's, was, that's good yeah, yeah. It was, we, um, yeah. you get lots of good comments after shows but sometimes yeah. you, you kind of <clears throat> you know, you have to say, or they're just saying it because I don't think so. Not that night. Yeah. But uh, no. but I think most of them are genuine. You know, it really is a good. fantastic yeah. thing, isn't it? If you can yeah. get tickets to get there, because oh, yeah. I was singing in the one when it was a uh, hundred years from nineteen fourteen, mm-hmm. and we got wood. Well, you got wood from the Somme, didn't you? That's and right. made three yeah. crosses. Well, well, I didn't know, but uh, the, there's three crosses. Um, from the Somme, and, and I think they're in different churches, but they were brought together in Durham Cathedral, mm-hmm. and they were there for the Festival festival of Remembrance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I put my granddad's um, yeah, very special yeah. photograph on it, because there was mm-hmm. an opportunity for people to put... Oh, sorry, that, yes, sorry, that, that was... The, these were crosses made from wood from, from the Somme that, that were on display. The one that we spent We put our own cross in, where we asked yeah. people to put... Yeah. You know, photographs of relatives yeah. that lost their lives during yeah. the war, and that was very well oh, supported. It was lovely. It yeah. was a lovely thing to yeah. do because mm-hmm. then my granddad's photograph was on that cross in Durham Cathedral for quite a few weeks, Good. and I thought an ordinary Geordie lad had his photo in Durham Cathedral, and it was just you know, and he, I mean the sacrifice he made. He survived, yes, but he had a very bad leg full of gangrene all his life and he dragged it round and eventually that leg killed him when he was about 70 or something because mm. um, blood poisoning but you know it's just a, a moving ceremony and, and yeah. absolutely fantastic yeah. I'm going to play Anthem from Chess now we've heard this song there many times haven't we we have indeed lovely song so what plans have you got this year Eric for Durham Cathedral well, this year marks the 75th anniversary of D-Day, so mm-hmm. that's going to be um, quite important to mark. It also marks the centenary of entering World War Two in '39. Oh, <coughs> of course. Me. So, yeah. you know, 80th anniversary, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, only 20 years after World War One ended, and now we were back at a World War again. And again, huge loss of lives, and families have probably just got themselves sorted out and settled down again, mm-hmm. and... and everything's up in the air again so it must have been a terrible terrible time mm-hmm. um, if, especially if you were married and bringing up families and so on mm-hmm. in those days losing husbands fathers mm-hmm. that sort of thing mm-hmm. um, so it's important that we, we show respect to all those who have lost their lives that's um, what it's about isn't it, it is absolutely mm-hmm. by remembering things like the D-Day invasion like you know the fact that here we are going to war again the effect that must have had on people mm-hmm. um so it, it's about it's about remembrance. So we're we're trying to build it round that, mm-hmm. and we've got some good acts. We always have the, the Fuselier's band who do a fantastic job. Oh, marvelous, um, and Alistair Hutton, who, as you oh. know, compares. tell us about Alistair. Oh, Alistair's a fantastic guy. He's the narrator of the Royal Edinburgh Military Tattoo yes. for anybody who's, who's been to the tattoo, so they'll mm-hmm. recognise his he's voice. The voice of it, isn't he? he is indeed. He's been doing that for twenty-seven years now, mm-hmm. um, and he's a personal friend of yours. He's now, a friend of mine. He? Yep. Yeah. Um, and we've done lots of things together. We've done 
uh, tattoos together. We've done concerts together. And we do the festival. He's done all the festival remembrance during bar one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so an absolutely fantastic guy because he's such an expert on military history mm-hmm. and on military music and music that relates to specific events um, so, uh, and writes wonderful scripts. And he's got that wonderful voice to listen to. Mellifluous. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> And, you know, we're just so lucky to have Alistair. Oh, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, he's fantastic. But um, we haven't just done concerts there. The highlights for me were Hall One of the Sage. Yep. And we've had some varied concerts. Can you remember the one we did with the Bond theme? I do indeed. Gary Tipley. You did? Who's I the actually saw Gary the other day. Yeah. Did you? Yep, yep. And he's a Jaws lookalike, isn't he? He is indeed, yep. How many... He's about seven foot tall, isn't he's, he? I think he's seven foot nine. Seven yeah, foot nine, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. And we had Odd Job. We did. And um, we had Shirley Bassey, that was me. We did indeed. When yeah. you asked me to sing Golfing, I thought, I can't sing that. But, you know, it's one of my party pieces now. But you forgot to spray yourself gold. <laughs> oh, well, that's somebody's job another time. <laughs> but we, we did have some fantastic concerts in the oh, Sage. Oh, we um, did. Just the sheer variety mm-hmm. and the... Again, it's having military bands on stage oh, and uniform amazing. and having the choirs, you know, along yeah. and, and the risers behind it. It gives such a nice backdrop. It does, uh, yeah. And the, the variety of music we were able to provide and songs from the musicals, especially the Miz and that sort of thing. Uh-huh. It was just yeah. absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. the, the Sage concerts, we started while Afghanistan the Afghan war was sort of in, it, in its prime, if you like. Mm-hmm. And there was a great deal of support for military charities at the time. Mm-hmm. Once Afghan, Afghanistan wound down, and thank goodness it did, um, because the loss of life was, was horrendous. Mm-hmm. And when you look back on it, you kind of wonder what for. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the loss of life w- was horrendous, and people wanted to show that they were supporting the soldiers yes. out there. Yeah. That's but, how but I felt because yeah. I used to watch TV before mm. I got involved with the fundraising mm-hmm. and I used to think, I used to see the lads coming back in the coffins with the Union Jack draped over them and I used to shout at the TV and say, this is terrible, what can I do to help? And when we got involved and you knew you were raising funds to help the survivors, mm-hmm. you felt as if you were doing something. Exactly. I would yeah. have loved to have met some of the survivors, mm. I have to say. Yeah. Um, and I never ever did, but it just meant meant you felt as if you were doing something to help. Sure. Yeah. 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 And you organised organised all of that, and your military training must have come into the fore then, because these were massive spectaculars that you organised, weren't they? They were, but I was a tank soldier, which is about as, <laughs> as rough as you can get. So I had no sort of background in any of this it was just by chance I started doing by doing a, a, a band concert uh, in a hall somewhere and that's how it sort of started and it, it just grew from there but I couldn't have done it without the support of the people round about you but know, you organised like them yeah, yeah I've, I've, I suppose I've always been okay at organising things yeah, and, and, you, you know and, and uh, communicating with people and, and that uh-huh. sort of thing and that, that helps yeah, yeah and try is. and yeah, understand people's different requirements that sort of thing uh-huh. yeah yeah um, but bringing people in and yes you know moving yeah. the, the the people mm-hmm. around and it takes a lot um a forethought doesn't absolutely. it absolutely yeah. yes uh-huh. but the the tragedy of losing somebody um, and I'm going to uh, can I give you an example mm-hmm. um, a family I'm very close to and uh, the charity they've done a huge amount for the charity and the charity was able to help them as well uh, a soldier was killed in Afghanistan he was 18 years old I, I won't give his name no. but he was on a patrol of military and Afghan policemen they were going out to a police station to relieve the police and put the new police uh, in post mm-hmm. and he'd been on guard the night before guard duty the night before mm-hmm. which everybody has to do it's just a fact of life when yeah. you're, you're in operations and probably a bit tired and they went through a gap in a wall and the thing you must do in places like Afghanistan because there's IEDs everywhere is wherever the person in front puts his foot that's where you put your foot right. and sadly he must have went a couple of inches off the footprint an IED went off um, and literally blew the bottom half 
of, of his body off, and he, he survived, got to Bastion, but sadly um, died in Bastion. Yeah. That had a huge effect on the family here, the brother and his parents. Not long before that, the father had lost a good job that mm -hmm. had to sell their, the house that they, they were buying, moved mm -hmm. into a council house. Mm -hmm. It put a huge, huge strain mm -hmm. on, on the family. The, the father didn't handle it at all well. He kind of went to pieces. Mm -hmm. the, the, mother, the mother was very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I say, did fantastic work for the charity. But they then sadly split up. Mm -hmm. And shortly after that, the the father died. Mm -hmm. um, the son sort of blamed the mother for the the breakup and the father dying, mm -hmm. and hasn't spoken to her since. Right. He's since had a partner. They've had a baby. Mm -hmm. She hasn't. The mother hasn't seen her mm -hmm. grandchild, and yeah. that's that's the tragedy of it war. Down, it? It's the it's the effect that it has, mm -hmm. and families will never ever get over these things and no. it's the same with you know these kids getting stabbed in London how horrible mm. and that's the sort of effect that these things have on families it, just, it does destroy families it does yeah. it does I'm going to play Goldfinger uh, by Shirley Bassey and this is a, a fantastic song for me and I think I think you should play Goldfinger by Julie Pendleton <laughs> I don't know where I've got that somewhere. Sing along. <laughs> right, I think we'll just have old Shirl do it. <laughs> How do you relax? Do you have an allotment that you go to, or do you like cooking? Or um, not cooking? No, I'm not very good. Oh, you leave that to I, I haven't said that. I will eat absolutely anything that's put in front of me. Do you? I never ever complain about well, food. You're the best sort of person that um, cooks like the cook for. But yeah, I have, a, I have an allotment. I, I love my allotment and I've got two dogs. So I walk the dogs an hour in the morning and an hour in the afternoon. And if I'm at the allotment, of course, they, they come there. Uh -huh. um, but I don't really have that much spare time. Um, but I, I quite like collecting stamps as well. So uh, I do things at home at night. My husband I'm, I'm likes a, collecting really stamps. I'm not really a television watcher. No. Nothing over Christmas caught your eye. Not really, no. No, no. no. That's the odd thing, you know. But, you watch uh, the Queen's speech, though. Oh yes, yeah. Uh -huh. um, and I like—I mean, I do enjoy watching factual programs, yeah. and documentaries. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. So, do you um, buy the stamps that you collect, or do you just? I get mine online um, through eBay and so on. Oh, yeah. right. But I haven't been doing it long. But I'm I'm, I'm, I'm learning fast. Uh-huh, yes. You haven't got a penny black, have you? I have. You have? Yeah. <laughs> and what's the other one, the rare one? A penny red. Well, a penny red's not rare. Uh -huh. um, there's a half penny, which I think is reasonably rare, but it's it's not the fact that a stamp's rare that adds value. It's got to be in absolute pristine condition. Oh. A penny black that's, you know, been cut out of a, a letter and, and half the border's missing isn't really worth a great deal of money. You've You've, you've got to be a real professional to, to stamp, collect and, and yeah. make a, a lot of money from it or, or know well, we how collect to deal them. in it. We collect I, I collect them for just the, for the fun of it. Yeah, well, we collect yeah. them for the guide dogs at the WI. Oh, yeah. And they, they just tear them off the envelope and uh, I read the, the details and it said it's got to be one centimetre all the way around. Yeah, and I thought, spot, yeah. yeah, I'm going to have to mm. go through all these stamps and trim them. Mm. <laughs> That's a job for me. Oh, I'll I'll send them over nice to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you like Neil Diamond, don't you? I do. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, I went to see Neil Diamond when he came to the. Uh, he performed on the round. It was a fantastic night. Where was, was that? Um, in the in the arena. In the arena. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. And he, his concerts, they don't have a break in the middle. He just does it straight through. But, uh -huh. but what a fantastic night! And what a, an amazing, amazing voice and entertainer. Uh -huh. yeah. And his his band as well. That they're just. They're brilliant. Yeah. It's my kind of singing, my kind of music. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, we're going to play Sweet Caroline by Neil Diamond. So, yeah, I hear you're a bit of a country and western fan, Eric. I am indeed. Um, I love Glenn Campbell. I've been to see him a few times live. In fact, anything, anything country and western, I've got quite a big country and western Do you have a Stetson film. then? Do you have no, I don't. No, no, no. I don't, I don't get dressed up. Or oh, you don't do anything like that? <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> no you see, if I was a fan no, of I like somebody, listening to the, the I country. I would have all the gear. The music, yeah. No. <laughs> no. So you've seen Glenn Campbell several times? I have indeed, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you, do you go to America at all for holidays? No, no. 
no, and, we, you know, to get into the cowboy type no, thing. No, not at all. Not no, at all. No. I, I mean, I've been to Canada. <laughs> I've never been to America. It's not a country that I would want to go to, quite frankly. Um, no, it doesn't appear to but, me. But uh, Canada, I absolutely love, and I've been to Canada loads and loads of times. Yeah. Have you I, seen the Mounties? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, I've trained in Canada for months on end, and it's, it's an absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. place. The people are lovely. and. Uh, mm. yeah. Well, I have friends who are they're like horses, but right. they're big country and western fans, and they go mm. on holidays where they have they horses. And they get, and they, oh, yeah, yeah, go with the cowboys. Yeah, 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 out with yeah. the cowboys, I yeah. have. I did that in Belize, but every weekend I went out with the gauchos. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, they're fun. different, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, I had my own horse. A grey horse called Charger. Charger. Uh-huh. Um, but one day the head gaucho said, "Try my horse," oh, and it was a huge, huge stallion. Uh-huh. And uh, they told it to go. And when this thing went, believe you me, it went. And I was hanging on for grim death. What a powerful beast! And it was jumping <laughs> over bloody trees and everything. Oh, I could just um, imagine it. And eventually he whistled and stopped him, but not before they'd all killed themselves laughing, of course, at, at uh-huh. my expense. But no, it was great fun. So he came back just with a whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Oh well, I'm going to play um, Glen Campbell, Rhinestone Cowboy, okay. just for you. Thank you. What a shame. <laughs> oh, it is. It's just flown. Thank you for giving your time and coming in and telling us about your life it's been extremely interesting and I knew you but I know even more about you now and the first time uh, we sang at the Sage John and I sang Time to Say Goodbye didn't we? You did indeed and it was lo- it's a lovely lovely song and you and you sang it so well and then, then and quite a few times since. It's our party piece is, now isn't yep. it when we sing together and um, I wish you well in everything you do and I'm sure we'll be seeing each other shortly and have a very happy birthday this weekend. Um, are you doing anything special? Nope, I'm going to have a night. Well, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably, oh, it could be a surprise. probably the best answer. Yes. I, haven't, I haven't got anything planned, no. Uh-huh. Oh, well, I have a lovely time and I'm going to play Time to Say Goodbye, especially for you. That's really kind and thank you very much indeed. You're listening to the Julie Pendleton Interviews. If you like what you hear, give us a rating, subscribe, leave us a review of some description. Let us know what you think. There's a new episode twice a week, usually a Monday and a Thursday, that you can find right here on tinyurl.com slash jpinova. You can hear Julie Pendleton on Nova Radio Northeast 102.5 in Tyneside, and online at www.novaradio.co.uk on a Sunday afternoon between 2pm and 4pm. The music used in this podcast is called Winter Sun and it's by a very nice fellow from nordensun.com and it's used under the Creative Commons licence with full attribution and full credits given on the website for the podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening and we'll see you again soon.